Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning to all of you. How's everyone doing on this holiday weekend? Did anyone have a chance to see the fireworks the other night? I know, I didn't see too many people down there. We walked in right before it started and stood right in front. <laughs> Listen, uh, did anyone have a chance to see that movie Breakthrough by chance? A couple of you? How many say you were encouraged in your faith because you went there and saw a verified, doctor-verified miracle that God did? A couple of you? Wow, we do need to work on that excitement, Pastor Michael. <laughs> it's okay, I'm going to talk about sadness today. I've got a message for you. <laughs> but uh, listen, uh, Unplanned is a movie that they didn't want in Canada uh, due to the political nature of it on abortion. And uh, anyways, uh, Lakeshore Cinemas is going to be hosting it beginning July 12th. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you make a point to go see it, preferably in the first few days if you can, that would be helpful. Uh, generally with faith-based movies, if people go watch them, they'll leave them in a little bit longer and hopefully more people can see them. Otherwise, they don't like to bring them in. This one's politically charged due to the nature of the content. But uh, anyways, it's a powerful story and uh, I believe you'll be encouraged. All right. Additionally, because of the holiday, we will not be in the offices tomorrow. So you are welcome to come here, but we will not be. We've been talking about emotions, and we know that your feelings are very real and that all of us were designed to experience emotion. How many of you have experienced a whole gambit of emotions already this morning? Except we haven't got over to excitement yet. <laughs> so my gut read is you're stuck over here in sadness, so I'm going to talk to you today about sadness and depression. And, and, and it's not as sad as you think it's going to be for a message, but we'll see. <laughs> so the key today um, that I want you to understand is we have to understand what is truth, and we have to allow truth to dictate our actions and our experience, not feeling. I tell people all the time, you can go by what you know is truth, or you can go by how you're feeling right now. Has anyone ever felt something and then you found out later, you know, that your feelings were wrong? Yeah. You've been angry? And then you found out later you had no reason to be angry? Aren't you glad you didn't act in anger when you were feeling angry and then you found out that you shouldn't have been? <laughs> I see a few people being honest. <sighs> Today's emotion, sadness, in, in, even in Christian circles, it has a really wide range of thoughts. So there's, I'm going to call it two ditches on either side where people get into trouble. The one ditch over here Every time you're in sadness or depression, it's sin. I kind of disagree with that. And the other ditch is, um, <laughs> there's no such thing as sadness and depression, so let's just ignore it. Um, you know, there's, there's ditches in Christian circles, and I think what we have to do is we have to have a balanced understanding of the emotions that God created us with. And I will preface today's teaching again, and you'll hear me say this again as we go through this series. In some cases, people have a hard time receiving the Word of God into their mind, okay, in some cases. If you have a hard time receiving the Word of God, in other words, in Matthew 13, it talks about the parable of the sower. Some of the seed fell on rocky ground, some fell amongst the weeds or the thorns, and some fell in good soil. The rocky ground sprouted, but there was little, little soil, so it didn't have any substance, and it withered. Some fell amongst the thorns and it was choked out by the cares of this world, and other fell in good ground and produced good fruit. We've seen over the years where 80% of the people in churches system-wide across North America come into the church and 10 and 20 years later, they're still struggling with the same things they began with when they walked in the door, and that's a tragedy. Because I believe that the Word of God is powerful and effective and it'll change you from the inside out. 
So it tells me that 80% of the people, to some degree, are not able to take the Word of God and put it into good soil inside of their heart. And one of the reasons for this is, just like our bodies break sometimes, I believe also sometimes our brain gets broken. And it's okay, because we're all broken image bearers. In those moments of brokenness, sometimes you need professional help to get you to a place where your brain is stable enough to receive the Word of God so that it can go into good soil. And then it'll produce a good crop inside of your life. I know, I know, I know. I hope today to communicate some clarity about some of the ideas that are floating around and then present some hope in the midst of the struggle that is very real for some. So sadness, it simply means unhappy. And all humans have experienced sadness. Is there anyone in the room that's never experienced sadness? Well, that's good, because otherwise I would think that you live in a pretty, pretty small bubble if you've never been sad about something. Um, depression, it's a mental state of altered mood characterized by feelings of sadness, despair, and discouragement. Statistically, 13% of Canadian adults will experience depression, and that is sadness, discouragement, despair over a period of two weeks or more. Now, let's, let's just have some fun. Could I have, like, a few random people stand up in this section? I, I, I just need a few. Yeah, maybe one per row or so. Just stand up. It's okay. Over here, too. Maybe one per row, if you could just stand. And I need a couple over here to stand, too. Just, it's okay. No, I need a few more to stand, though. A few more. Come on, a few more. Some of you back in there. I need about one per row, if you could just stand up. I'm not going to call you up here. Don't worry. <laughs> I see that hand. That's 1,000. <laughs> now do I know it's more to stand for two. Everyone's sitting. You owe two. No, I'm just... Uh, I need a couple more people to stand back here. Just a few. Thank you. Okay. Statistically, these people standing will represent a segment of the population, a segment of this room, and I'm not saying the people standing are dealing with this, but they're representing about this many people in the room are going to struggle with depression on a regular basis. Okay, you guys can all sit down. Thank you. Depending on where you go, sometimes that statistic is a little higher and sometimes a little bit lower. Thank you all for standing for me, but that just represents. Now, I want to show you how both the biblical narrative as it goes through the Old Testament into the New Testament, it talks about things like sadness and it talks about things like depression. It's a part of the narrative. It's a part of the conversation that the Bible has. I want to start with one in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to talk to you guys about Elisha. Ja. Elijah. Now, you got to remember, Elijah was the prophet who challenged the false prophets of Baal. Baal. And he said, let's have a contest, guys. One of me, my God, and all of you. I don't know if it was 500 or 700 or 300. There was a lot of them. I think it was 700. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest. You're going to build an altar, and the God that sends fire down from heaven wins. How's that sound? Now, how many of you have called fire down from heaven to consume your enemies? None of you? How many have tried to call fire down from heaven, but it didn't happen? Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> so Elijah has this contest, and God sends fire down, and it consumes the sacrifice, the altar, and he, just to add insult to injury to these false prophets, he had them pour water over the sacrifice before God sent fire down, and he sucked up all the water too. His God answered by fire, okay? So then the queen Jezebel is a little bit upset with him because he had all her prophets put to death. And this is where the story picks up. So how many say that's a pretty convincing victory when God sends fire down from heaven? and consumes the altar, and you slay all your enemies. How many say, yes, it's a good day at the office? <laughs> Verse 3, chapter 19. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba in a town of Judah, 
and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, note alone, and he traveled all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Now, he just had this amazing victory, and like the next day, he's like, okay, God, just kill me. Talk about a mood swing. None of you have ever done that, though. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Elijah was depressed. He even uses some of the language that depressed people use. There was depression happening here in the conversation. Notice, God didn't chastise him for that. However, what do we learn from this? You see, Elijah was depressed and God said, here's some food, eat, have some snacks. And then he took a nap. Then he woke up and he felt better. So never, never underestimate the power of snacks and a nap. On a more serious note, I want to really focus more on the... <laughs> God didn't chastise him for his feelings. God didn't correct him for his feelings. God didn't correct Moses for his feelings. There was a time when Moses said, I'm done. <laughs> God, just kill me, you know. Jonah was another one that we see. David, my goodness, his emotions were all over the map. He was sad. He was happy. He was on the top. He was going to get killed. He was going <laughs> to conquer. He, he was all over the place. Sometimes I wonder about David's mental stability. Have you read the Psalms? No, for real. <laughs> so then he was just really real, but God didn't correct him for being emotional and having emotion. It's what do you do with the emotion in the moment? And, and everyone's favorite Job, although God kind of had to speak to his friend's life. How about Jesus? When Jesus was here, he clothed himself in human flesh. He lived among us, and he experienced the whole gambit of human emotion. We learned a few weeks ago he got angry. Now watch Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. You see, even Jesus experienced this depression or this sadness. He didn't stay there, and that's what I want to get to today. We don't stay there, and even in the midst of it, God always gives us hope. We're going to end a little bit more in that direction. But I want you to understand, the degree that you're honest with yourself is the degree that you're going to be able to see the path or God will reveal the path to you to get out. You see, one of the things that happens is when people are stuck in sadness or stuck in depression, they often tend to isolate and withdraw, and they don't want to be around people. And even worse, they don't want to talk with people about what they're going through or experiencing. And even in the middle of community, there's people that are isolated and lonely. There's people that are depressed and they're afraid to talk about it because they think there's a stigma attached to that. Because again, in some church circles, depression is sin. I don't think depression starts as sin. I think it starts as emotion. It's when you set up a tent there and, you know, six months later you're still depressed, then, then you're getting into, we need to start taking some steps to walk out of this. And sometimes, clinically, we need a little bit of help to do that again so that we can receive the Word of God. <sighs> sadness comes from sin. Can everyone say sadness comes from sin? Okay. Sometimes it's your own sin that creates sadness in your life. Has anyone ever done something and then you were sad? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. You know, we do things, sometimes foolish things, we make our mistakes, and then we're sad, we're sorrowful because we made a mistake, or we messed it up, okay? But the remedy for sadness is repentance. Yeah. 
If you're sad because of your sin, you repent of your sin. Look at David. Starting in 2 Samuel 12, when Nathan the prophet addressed David, what did he do? He repented. He wrote a couple psalms about this, Psalms 32. What about Psalms 51? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or an upright spirit within me. That's a psalm of repentance. David's repenting for his actions of murder and adultery. Yet the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. There's hope for you. Unless you're worse than David, who is an adulterer and a murderer. And he tried to cover up. But God forgave him because he repented. He had some consequence in his life, but God forgave him. See, when it's your own sin, repentance is the remedy. But sometimes it's the fallen sinful world that we live in. Let's go to Romans 5. And I'm going to jump around a little bit, so good luck following me. But I'm going to be reading between verses 12 and 21. And if time allows, I'll come back and fill in the blanks that I'm missing right now or skipping over. So basically, I'm going to read the first part of it. But when it says, but, I'm going to, most of the time, I'm going to jump past that to the next part that goes along with this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Everyone say, thank you, Adam, because Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Yes, people sinned before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam's a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, including you and I. We're all going to die one day. Thank you, Adam. Jumping down. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. And then it says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because of one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Jumping. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death. You see, in Romans 8, 2, a few chapters further, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of sin and death was released in the earth when Adam and Eve sinned. At that point, creation, which was designed for life, Death wasn't even a part of their vocabulary until Adam sinned. There was no death. In fact, if they would not have disobeyed God in the garden, they would still be alive today. Thousands of years later. But because the law of sin and death was released in the earth, all mankind fell under that, and now all mankind has a number on their years. Around 120 is the most you're going to make it. That's what God said, okay? But not only was death released on the earth in separation from God, sickness was released on the earth, disease was released on the earth, poverty was released on the earth, curse was released on the earth. This is the law of sin and death in action. And we see because of Adam's choices, the law of sin and death was released in the earth. This often creates sadness. Are we catching this? All of you have experienced sadness. Has anyone experienced loss? Many of us have lost loved ones that are dear to our heart, but they've gone on to the next life because the law of sin and death is in the earth. Many of us have seen people go succumb to sickness or to accident. Many of us have seen disease run rampant in the earth. And sometimes this is really hard for us to swallow, but the law of sin and death is in the earth. As long as there is an earth with seed time and harvest, until Christ comes and sets up his kingdom again, this law is going to be in effect. Now, the good news for us is in Christ, he breaks that curse off of our life, and we gain eternal life, so we don't have to stay dead forever. We just transition to the next life. Our drama team has put together a fantastic illustration of this, and I'd like to call them out at this time. So, what do you think? Uh, 
I think it's kind of dark. Can we uh, turn on a light or two? I'd rather you didn't. Ah, here we go. Do you like it? Ooh, well, um, it's still kind of dingy and uh, dark. Oh, it suits me. The walls, they speak to me. All I'm hearing is, get out. Get out. <laughs> no. It's more like, please stay. Ooh. Are you sure you really want to buy this house? <laughs> yes. They lowered the price. And now it's below my budget. <laughs> but why? Why would you want to live here? It's really sad. Very sad. Yeah. This place, it represents everything I'm feeling. I really feel like I could settle down here. Oh, no. I know you're experiencing sadness right now, but you can't live here. Mm, you got to get out, girl. Oh, yeah. yes, I can. All I need is a... Oh. Don't, don't sit in it, it's nasty. It's a really comfy oh, chair. Gosh, she's gonna sit in it. <sighs> I need some chips, some nibs, and some chocolate. Chips? Nibs? Chocolate? Oh, my! No, Fred, it's time for an intervention. We need to no. intervene. Oh, no, 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 seriously. I need my nibs. <laughs> Listen. No. Listen to me. You can't stay in this sadness for too long. You'll get depressed. Absolutely. Sadness can last for a little while, but you know that. Joy comes in the morning. Yes. Can I get an amen? Amen. Double up, amen. Woo! Amen. Woo! Woo! Amen. Woo! I don't see any joy. But that's why you have us. Your friends. Come on. Come on. No, no, no chips. I can't. No oh. chips. No nibs. And no more chocolate. Oh. Oh. You can oh, do yes. it. Okay. No chips. Okay. No nibs. Okay. And no chocolate. No. Feel the okay. release. There you go. No oh. chips. All right. Okay. No nibs. Okay. And no chocolate. I feel better now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no chips. chips. No. no. Oh, 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 hold on. No nibs. All right, no nibs. <laughs> no chocolate. No chips. No nibs. No chocolate. Hey. No chips. No nibs. No chocolate. All right. No chips. No nibs. No chocolate. Hey. No chips. Goodbye, you nasty, sad house. I am not moving in. I got the joy, 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 joy down. No chips, no nibs, no chocolate. You guys might want to speak out the back door before someone that wants some chips, nibs, and chocolate comes after you later. <laughs> We have to kind of make a decision that sadness is more like a house guest that comes and visits and then leaves and not a roommate. Because if it becomes a roommate, it becomes a part of who you are. And then we often find ourselves depressed. And sadness is okay. Depression is okay. We just can't stay there. We have to purpose to walk out of it. We have to pur purpose to move beyond. Let's look at Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. How about 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 6 and 7? So be truly glad there's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than gold. 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So he's telling us that despite the things that we face, we can find joy. It doesn't really matter what the trial of the day is or the trial that you're going through is, we can have joy in the midst of that because it's perfecting us. Most of the time, people who have come out of alcohol will tell you that they don't drink anymore. Because if they open that door, they could very easily fall right back into what they came out of. And some of you have walked through deep, deep, dark places in your life of depression and sadness for extended periods of time. And for you, at this point in your journey, you have to kind of learn to intercept this and say, you know, God, I feel like there's a dark season coming or on the horizon or one of these episodes is about to happen. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us so we don't end up back in the place that we came out of. And in those moments, that's when you want to reach out to your community. That's why you want to reach out to your friends to your family, to your church family. That's why we give people lots of opportunities to connect in community, because it's in community that we can stay strong so we don't have to go back to where we were. So there's a real battle going on right now in minds. And really the battle is what's truth and what's a lie. And you have to make a choice and you have to learn to discern what is truth and what is a lie. And sometimes we have a hard time and we get confused, but at the end of the day, we want to know what truth is because as Christians, we want to be truth seekers. And what you got to understand is if you believe the lie over truth, you're going to struggle in your journey. So some time ago, our staff took a training week. It's called Mental Health First Aid. It's put on by the Mental Health Commission. And man, do they do a fantastic job of helping us to identify and give us some tools so that we can start working through when people come in that are a little bit unstable, we can help them get to a place of stability. But in their book, they're talking about depression, and, and I just took some of the things that depressed people say, and maybe you've said some of these things. Maybe you haven't. Depressed people will often say things along these lines. They'll say something like, I'm a failure. Has anyone ever thought that you're a failure? I mean, we all fail at times, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure. Now, if you fail all the time. <laughs> but what's truth? What does Romans chapter 8 tell us? Verses 31 to 39. See, in the discourse, Paul's talking about how nothing can separate us from God's love. And then in the middle of talking about how nothing can separate us from God's love, Paul makes this amazing statement, for we are more than conquerors. Can I ask you a question? If you're saying to yourself, I am a failure, but the Word of God is saying that we are more than conquerors, it's not logically compatible. We have to choose to believe the truth over the lie. And I understand that the struggle is real. I'm not diminishing the struggle. I'm trying to explain to you that there's hope in the midst of the struggle because God's right there with us. Here's the next one. People make statements like, I have let everyone down. Has anyone ever thought that you let everyone down? okay. <laughs> you weren't holding them up. In the book, <laughs> in the book of Isaiah 41, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, God holds people up. They're his kids your friends, your family, your relatives, even your own children, they're really his children first. And he holds us up. He sustains us. He's the one. We don't have to hold people up. 
We can build people up, we can encourage people, but we don't hold them up. Don't put that kind of weight on yourself. Here's another statement. I hear people say, it's all my fault. And when you're discouraged, when you're dismayed, when you're beat down, when you're tired, you know, we make statements like this, it's all my fault. But in Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It might have been your fault, but Christ came to free you from the penalty of your sin. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to move on beyond. See, he went to the cross so that we could have freedom. A lot of times, we assign fault to ourselves. that's really no one's fault. It lies in the law of sin and death is in the earth and bad things happen, and we think that we're responsible for everything bad that's happened to everybody. You know, you watch the news and you hear all these horrible things and you think, oh, it's all my fault. You are only responsible for that which God has placed in your arena or in your hand. And you are responsible for your own actions, not your neighbor's actions. Some of you need to hear that. You're responsible for your choices. You are not responsible for your neighbor's choices. You can try to encourage your neighbor, but you can't answer for your neighbor. Here's one. Nothing good ever happens to me. Has anyone ever thought that? Don't put your hands up. I don't want to know. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens to me. We think this. But Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. That's pretty good news. He made a way for you to get forgiveness of sins. He made a way for you to gain eternal life. He made a way for you to be free from the curse of the law. So you can't really say nothing good ever happens to me anymore. All you can say is, except for Jesus dying on the cross for me, nothing good can happen to me. But see, I go through this with the atheist just the same. Oh, God does not exist. I said, can you prove it? Sure I can. Really? Because you would have to know everything to prove to me that with all of your infinite wisdom and knowledge that God could not possibly exist there. Because if they don't have all knowledge, then God could exist somewhere outside of their knowledge. And when they acknowledge that that's true, they've moved now. Now they're an agnostic. They deny the existence of God. See, once you move... You're off your foundation. Once you move off that depression, you don't have to stay there. I'm worthless. There's people that have heard that. It's been spoken over you, and you believe it. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, my Bible tells me that we were made in the image of God. And he made people in his image. We were made to bear the image of God. We were made in his image and in his likeness. And yes, I understand that all of us are broken. But in Christ, he's restoring us to wholeness, mind, body, and spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. If God made you, he doesn't make junk. So he made you with the purpose and he put a plan together for your life. And there's people who you can touch, whose lives you can change. There's people that you can affect for the kingdom that no one else can. Because God made you in his image to reflect his glory to the culture. Here's everyone's favorite. When you're really in despair, You'll make a statement like, no one loves me. You got to do the pouty face. Woe is me. Nobody loves me. Can I suggest to you, how about everyone say this with me? John 3, 16. 
Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave. So, so God loves you. So you can't say nobody loves me anymore. You have to say, everyone else thinks I'm a jerk, but God loves me. <laughs> and see, you've moved now. God loves you. And I'd be willing to bet there's people that love you. It's just your concept of love is warped. And what you think people need to do to love you may not be an accurate reflection of what love is. My kids will tell you, sometimes love is tough. You know, like when parents say no. <gasps> How dare you say no to me? You must not love me. <laughs> I kind of said no because I do. But sometimes we try to manipulate people with that but that's only going to feed something in us that's not from Christ. I am so alone. Has anyone ever felt alone, even in the midst of a crowd? Proverbs 18, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Deuteronomy 31 or Hebrews 13, God says he will never leave us or forsake us. You're never alone in Christ. If Christ is with you, if he's a part of you, he sent his spirit to live within you, you're never alone. So you can't say, I'm alone. You can say, well, God is with me, but nobody else wants to be around me. I know I'm playing with that a little bit, but I'm trying to help you understand your perspective. Because we make statements sometimes, but we don't acknowledge the truth from God's word. And the key to actually progressing in things like this so we don't camp in sadness, so we don't set up camp in depression, is we have to understand that the Word of God is powerful and it's active, and we have to start activating inside of our life. We have to start speaking forth the Word of God over our life. We have to start putting the Word of God in to replace the lie. Because if you believe the lie over truth, you will stay stuck. Life is not worth living. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has a plan for his people. Or I hear people say there's nothing good out there. How could you possibly know everything that's out there, number one? But number two, is it possible that God's out there? And if God's out there, I assure you there's goodness out there because one of the main attributes of God's character is his goodness. God is good. It's a part of his nature. In fact, if he would stop being good, he'd have to stop being God because it's one of the attributes that we give to his nature. It's impossible for him to not live according to his nature. So the goodness of God is present in the world that we live in. You may not see it in your little circle or from your limited perspective, but sometimes we dig a big hole in the ground, we jump in the hole and we can't see nothing but dirt. And then we don't see nothing too good. Okay. Exodus 34, 6 and 7, Matthew 7, Mark 10, 18 are all verses that talk about the goodness of God. Mary, come, come up and share with them. Nothing like putting your wife on the spot. Thank you, hon. Actually, it's not Pastor RJ that puts me on the spot. It's the Holy Spirit that puts me on the spot all the time. <laughs> so um, in the first service, um, the Holy Spirit just wanted me to share some aspects of some things that we can do as Christians that are very practical. So Pastor RJ did an awesome job of sharing with us um, about sadness and sorrow and depression and kind of the things that can go on in our mind. 
But the Word of God also tells us, and we have to be very careful about this, that we need to bring our thoughts into cap the captivity of Christ. So that we have to understand that we're going to have thoughts sometimes that don't necessarily line up with the Word of God. But we have to be an active participant in what's happening, and we have to actually bring the thought that we're having into the captivity of Christ and bring it into the alignment that God wants us to have with his word and what the truth of the situation is. But many times what happens in our lives when we are, when we are sad and when we are walking through a season of grief and sorrow, and it's a struggle sometimes, um, especially if it truly is um, chronic depression that you're dealing with, and that we need to be aware so sometimes we create in our lives a pattern, a pathway of toxic thinking that whenever situations and circumstances come up in our lives, because we've created that pathway already, the path is already there, it's, or, it's very easy to just immediately walk down that path of negativity and toxic thinking and to be down on yourself and to say negative things about yourself because of the circumstances that have seemed to surround you. Um, so we have to be very careful that those ways sometimes seem like they're the easy way out. They're, they're easy, it's sometimes it feels easy to stay in that sadness, to stay in that sorrow, to stay in that suffering. Um, but the reality is it does take a lot of hard work. It takes, it's a struggle. They don't, like the word of God tells us, like it's a, it's a battle. It's a battle of the mind and the enemy is out to destroy you. So we have to understand that when we are in those moments that we can't just let the enemy run wild in our mind like a blank canvas and just be free to come and put thoughts in our head and let, let them live there. Like Pastor RJ talked about, we either decide if we let those thoughts become roommates for us or they're just going to be visiting for a bit. And that the, when they come, that's not the sin. The sin is giving entertainment and you dwell on them and you mull over them and you chew on them and you let them become part of who you are. And that's not who you are. So we have to actually be, I pray often, all the time, um, for the Holy Spirit to make me aware of my thought life. God, don't let me just have all these thoughts in my mind that I'm letting the enemy just run wild in my mind. God, make me aware, convict me. Oftentimes, like, I'm the kind of person something very practical that the word tells us to do is to speak out the praises of God, to say the word of God. It's, it's impossible for you to think negativity and to think bad things when you're out loud, out of your mouth, hearing yourself say good things. When you speak and open your mouth and say good things and speak out of a situation of some kind, something good, something you're thankful for or what's going on, that you can't think the bad thing at the same time because you're speaking out something positive. So you ha we have to be an active participant. God is going to help you to help yourself. So when you need to bring that thought into captivity, oftentimes my kids will say, Mom, are you talking to yourself again? I'm like, absolutely. I, I'm constantly working myself up and talking myself into a better mood, especially when something's happened or a circumstance or a situation, I'm like, okay, God, like, I'm not going to entertain this. I'm not going to let this sit there and bring all kinds of negative emotions with it. And then I become irritable and just angry, and I'm not nice to be around. But if I work myself up into a good place by saying out of my mouth, God, I thank you for this. God, thank you for this. God, this is, I don't have to stay this way. I can be this. And I start saying the things out of my mouth and bringing that thought into alignment with God, what God's word says. So we have to sometimes make good choices. Not sometimes, all the time. We have to choose. And sometimes you don't realize the power in our choice, that we have to choose to do that. If you know that you are going through a difficult season and you, you've lost a loved one, you're, you're going through grief, you're going through sorrow, don't sit there and put on some sad music and sit there and well in that, that horrible place. Instead, put on some praise and worship music. Sit in God's comfort. Sit in his arms. Let him minister to you. You don't need to go sit in that horrible, awful pit all by yourself. And sometimes when we fall and we are in that pit, 
we don't have to stay there and we're not alone. God is there with us in the midst of that and he's giving you a hand up out of it, but you have to take it. We have to take those opportunities because we feel it, it is easier to stay sometimes in that instead of doing the work it takes to, to get out of it. But with God, it's possible. But we have to actually make good choices about what we're doing with our life and what we're doing with our thought life and the choices we make when in that moment something's happened, something negative, some, a circumstance has happened that has brought trauma, in that moment, what are we going to do? And then we create a positive pattern, a positive way of dealing with things when they happen instead of running down the other path, it's gonna start to actually grow over because you haven't gone down that road anymore. You're not choosing to go down that road anymore. You're choosing to go down the road of, I'm gonna be thankful, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna believe that he has this situation in hand. This didn't take him by surprise. It took me by surprise, but it didn't take God by surprise. God, you know what's going on right now. I thank you that you are with me in all of this. Amen, there's so many things that we can say out of our mouths, no matter what the situation that we're going through, that God is still with us in it and find a better way to deal with it and that we are always aware that God is asking us to make a choice. He gave us a free will. He's asking us to make a choice in those things. Amen? So, in the book of Isaiah, yeah, you guys can hand out the elements. If you didn't get an element, put your hand up in the, the ushers. And you can all stand with us. In the book of Isaiah 61, it talks about we have to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We have to change our garment. We have to change the robe that we're wearing. Sometimes we just need that point of contact where we just take off the old and we put on the new. And I'm going to read from you in Psalms 23 right now. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now catch this next part. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what your situation, it doesn't matter what you're facing, how good or bad it looks, God is right there with you. You're not alone. There's correction and there's comfort and there's guidance with his rod and his staff. It's not always comfortable when you get the staff or the rod, but it's there for your benefit. So I want to invite you, you know, if you maybe need a point of contact and you just need to change your garment today, you need to take off something from the old man and put on something from the new. We kind of do this at baptism, but sometimes we forget. I want to invite you. You can come down here and do communion with us at the front. And if you're stuck in sadness or you're stuck in depression, you know, come down. Let's change our robes today. Let's let the God that gives us hope. And, you know, I wanted to read something else to you. I, I left out a bunch of verses when I read Romans 5 earlier. I'll go back and I'll pick up those. But it says, But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. Jumping down, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on and it says, But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. And then finally now, God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, I thank you for the men and women here today. Lord, that all of us could put off the old nature. 
Lord, we experience sadness and depression in life. It happens. But Lord, help us to not set up camp there. We don't want to stay in sadness, and we don't want to stay in depression. We want to let your spirit show us the way out. We want you, Lord, to lead us. And in the tough times, you're right there beside us. Help us to always hear your voice. Even when it sounds distant, we know that you're not far from us. Help us today, Lord, to put off the old nature and to take on the new. And that we have healing and wholeness, mind, body, and spirit in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice that Jesus died for us. And Lord, part of what he died for was so that we could have soundness of mind, clarity of thought. Lord, I thank you that we have a sound mind in Jesus' name, that we bind our minds to the mind of Christ and we have clarity of thought. That, Lord, I break the chains of confusion. Father, I thank you that you help all of us to be aware of our thought life, Lord God. To be aware of our self-talk. Lord, that you would convict us and make us aware of what we're saying, Lord, of that negative self-talk, those patterns of thought that take us down a wrong road. And I ask you, God, to help us to bring our thoughts into the captivity of Christ so that we align our thoughts to the word of God, so that we align our words with the word of God, so that we can speak life over the situation, even though it doesn't look that way right now, God, I thank you that we lift up our eyes to where our help comes from. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our strength when we are weak. You are our comfort in our sorrow. Joy, Lord, is ours to have. And I thank you, Father God, that even though Yes, Lord, even in your word it says that there is a time for tears. And sometimes we just need a good cry and let the tears flow. And I thank you that healing is in those tears. That it is just broken off of us, Lord God, as we sit in your presence, in your arms, and we're honest. And we bring to the cross of Christ that grief, that sadness, that sorrow, that brokenness. Whatever it is that we're struggling with, Lord, I thank you that we're not alone. That Jesus died for these things that we might be overcomers. That we are overcomers, Lord God. And I thank you that with you, we can overcome this in Jesus' name. Enjoy your holiday. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.